This idea of a life of spiritual rhythm doesn't make me just hope to go deeper with God in some way. It actually provides tracks to run on that allow me to experience that, to go deeper. So now instead of just hoping that I'll be able to go deeper with Jesus, understand Jesus, be able to grasp his word and what it means for my life, I now actually have tracks that run it and I know that I can understand that. I know that I can go deeper. I know that I can trust what I'm hearing. God has said this is good for me. And so I read, I try to get silent, I try again to be quiet. And what's cool about it is it's cumulative. When you have one week or one hour for one week for one week, that's something. But when you have one hour a week for 52 weeks, you begin to settle more easily. It seems like Jesus shows up quicker. It's remarkable how he's faithful. The rhythms do build and it does become easier as you practice them because we're people of habit and it's the way the rhythm works. Friends, welcome to Free and Light, a podcast designed to help you experience the life Jesus offers. I'm your host, Tim Shelton, and I'm so glad you're joining us for this conversation. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to season two of the podcast. Now, you may have missed it, but last episode, we talked about this concept of spiritual rhythm. And, you know, the way we define spiritual rhythm has changed and shifted and morphed over the years, but we've kind of simplified it down to this. Spiritual rhythm is just our pattern of connecting to God. And here's the thing, we all have a spiritual rhythm. Even if you say, well, I don't really ever connect to God, that's your pattern, you don't. Or if you go to church on Sunday, or if you have what we would call maybe like a quiet time in the morning, that is our pattern of connecting to God. We want to help you develop your spiritual rhythm in two ways. First, if you missed the last episode, go back and check it out because we talk about some really practical things that will help develop your spiritual rhythm. And the second is we developed the daily rhythm just for you. And one of the practices that we teach or guide you through uh, in the daily rhythm is spiritual rhythm. Think of it as like the overarching thing that uh, underneath it all are all the individual practices uh, that we talk about on this podcast. And so we would love for you to go to thedailyrhythm.org click on spiritual rhythm, and it's a one-week deep dive into what would it look like for you to connect deeply with Jesus, to improve your pattern of connecting with him. What would it look like for you to move in rhythm with Jesus? And so you can go to thedailyrhythm.org, click on spiritual rhythm. We've updated this practice, this one-week deep dive into spiritual rhythm that we think is really going to help you, and we hope that it, it brings fruit to your life. In this conversation, we are going to talk about spiritual rhythm, no surprise. Uh, we're going to do that with my good friend, Chris Greer. Now, if you don't know Chris, Chris is uh, a fellow follower of Jesus. He's a husband, he's a father uh, who works as a writer and preacher and pastor. He's had a lot of roles over the years. Um, he's super, super smart, like wicked smart. He was a graduate of Louisiana Tech University and Fuller Theological Seminary. Uh, I got a little bit of jealousy when we were talking about his educational background. Um, he's got a ton of different experience, and, and he actually, even back to uh, before that, he was in food service and sales and tourism and the entertainment industry, and of course, he was a pastor at a Presbyterian church years ago. My point is, he is well-read, well-studied, and well-versed in this thing that we call spiritual rhythm. And kind of his his passion, his purpose in life is to help others hear, understand, and experience God so that they can live what he defines as their real lives. And we'll, we'll dive into a little bit of that in our conversation. Chris was born in Texas, which he calls the greatest state. He was lived and married in California, which he calls the most beautiful state. And he now resides with his family in Arkansas, which he also calls the most underrated state. I, I have not been to Arkansas, so we'll have to see one day. And recently he wrote a book called 12 Rules for a Christian Life. Now, if you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, you know that this is not a podcast where we promote books or anything like that. 
But Chris is a part of the Sequel family, and he recently came to an experience we have called Getaway with Three Friends. We had a beautiful time together, and so I said, hey, if you're going to come on, we're not going to promote your book. Uh, we just want to talk about spiritual rhythm. He said, hey, no problem. I'm going to give the book away for free. So listen in to this conversation, and you'll find out um, how we can get you a free copy of 12 Rules for a Christian Life. I think this is a conversation you're going to find uh, so many good nuggets of wisdom and um, help from Chris as we unpack spiritual rhythm. And so this is my conversation with my friend, Chris Greer. Chris Greer, welcome to Free and Light. Thanks, man. It's good to be here. It is good to be here. We have known each other uh, quite a long time now. And I remember the first time I met you, we were at a spiritual retreat in uh, Colorado. And we were in the car driving through the mountains. And I was telling you about this dream we had called Sequel. And you're like, man, that sounds really cool. And then who knew we would be having a conversation on a podcast all these years later. Yeah, man, it's amazing what happens in five years. Um, yeah, it's remarkable. It's Pretty remarkable. Cool. Here we are. Here we are. It's well, mm-hmm. so we met at this retreat, um, you know, and you were kind of going through your own, uh, I don't want to call it like crisis, but you were really trying to figure out where the next step for you was. And uh, ultimately you became an author, but but I wanted to start our conversation just to give our audience a little sense of who you are and your background and so forth. Um, why did you show up to this retreat in Colorado? Yeah, man. Um, it's interesting. I remember all of that. Um, it's amazing five years ago, but I remember uh, like it was yesterday That retreat experience for me was one of those kind of indelible, uh, experiences that's just permanent. Um, and so, yeah, man, I, 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 was pastoring, uh, which for me was second career stuff, man. I did stuff from higher education to waiting tables, working in the entertainment industry and tourism in Los Angeles before going to seminary and starting to do this pastor gig that I felt God was leading me towards. And um, so, yeah, by the time the retreat came up in uh, 2017, honestly, things were clicking for me kind of professionally. Um I was an associate pastor at this wealthy and influential church, uh, congregants who are wealthy and influential. And, and so by these kind of external measures, um, man was succeeding. Um, and there was potential, uh, within this church and within the, the responsibilities I had to continue succeeding, if you will. Um, but my wife and I, who, uh, had started her own business at the same time, we were just kind of caught up in this, um, this hustle, this constant pressure, um, uh, and expectation to move faster and push harder and go further. Um, and so the busier we got, it was interesting because we were slowly raising the quality of our material life. Uh, but we started to notice that it was coming at the cost of our spiritual and emotional lives. Mm. Um, and sort of underneath all of that, um, was just this sense that, man, this isn't right. Um, and not morally wrong. Right. Not like we were doing something uh, morally wrong, Uh, but just spiritually, um, emotionally, physically, uh, just kind of out of whack, like off kilter. So you go from Orange County, California, which, by the way, I was just there is pretty unbelievable Mm -hmm. uh, to Colorado. And you're looking for what? Yeah, uh, I was actually in the process at that time of while this kind of busyness is going on, I had actually started to explore the disciplines, the spiritual disciplines more. I was reading about um, uh, just rhythm and uh, spiritual rhythms and disciplines. And so I had come on this retreat. A buddy of mine had mentioned to me, he's like, hey, you should go on this thing. He had been a couple of years before. And he's like, man, you ought to try to go on this thing. And my whole goal was to lead from a more spiritual place. Like I, I was longing to lead from a place that was spiritually centered instead of just sort of like an intellectual kind of practical Mm -hmm. leadership, if you know what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, I went on this retreat, uh, honestly, to try to lead better, to lead um, in the congregation, but to lead my family better um, and to even learn what that might look like. And that was my desire. Um, 
And it was interesting what God did. Quite a dramatic yeah. shift from Orange County, California. <laughs> what made yeah, dude, you... It's amazing. Yeah. What made you take the leap, quite literally take the leap? It is a stark contrast. I know I, I think of those, like there's some country songs that talk about flyover states and stuff, you know, and it's like uh, nobody pays attention to the middle. you got all the coasts and, and all the hype. And, and so, yeah, we're living in the middle of that. But for us... Um, after that conversation of man, things we need to change. We, we started uh, having conversations together, but started together listening to, to Jesus and, um, and asking him like, what's next? Where do we go? Are we supposed to go anywhere? And the two words that um, stood out to us were the words pace and space. For us, we had to live slower. Um, that was the pace word. And then the space word is not just physical space, um, but also kind of spiritual and emotional space. We had, we needed more space. And so with those two words in mind, we started thinking about, well, for us to, to, to get a handle on life that was a slower pace and had more space, uh, it was time to leave Southern California, just the pace of life, um, the expense of life, our family was starting to grow. And, uh, and so, yeah, so I'm from Texas. We've got family in Nashville, and literally, bro, I tell you, it's, it's just the random way God works. Uh, friends of my family who don't even live in Little Rock anymore, but were raised there said, look, if you're looking to get back to the South, um, you really should go see Little Rock. And we're like, okay, whatever, dismissed it for a while. But honestly, once that word, once those two words, Little Rock came up on our radar, we couldn't shake it. Um, other conversations can happen. You know, I, for those of your mm. listeners who have, um, who uh, have, Pay, or paying attention to Jesus and, and hear, you know, at various times, he just speaks in these kind of off the wall ways that you tell somebody who's not listening to Jesus, they don't get it. It's not, but you're like, oh man, that's another sort of sign of God's pointing this direction. And they just kept happening. Um, and so we went, came out to Little Rock to visit. And I mean, I would say love at first sight, like make that analogy, but it was sense of this calm and this peace of like, gosh, I think this is the spot. Um, and outside of us listening to Jesus, that's just weird, mm -hmm. honestly, because like yeah. just what you said, like why Little Rock? Um, but God just kept confirming it in a, for us. And now, five years later, looking back, the community that we have um, living a life that is a slower pace and that has more space, we're like, yeah, Lord, OK, we we get it. It's fun to look back now as you've jumped off the proverbial cliff and uh, I see what you're doing now to say, wow, that really was quite the leap. Uh, you were in full-time ministry, pastoral ministry, mm -hmm. and now you have wrote a book and you're, you know, you've got a, a lot of really cool things going on. Um, but in, in that kind of five-year process, I think you found something that you're really passionate about in helping people to follow Jesus. So, Tell us a little bit about what you've discovered in the last four or five years and kind of where that, where you think that takes you over the next four or five or 10 or 15, 20 years, whatever that looks like. Yeah. So I think one of the primary things that I have uh, found to use your word, kind of discovered kind of uh, the last five years as I've um, desired to walk with Jesus and know what he wants and, and to, um, yeah, follow him into the next, like you said, 10, 20 years of my life um, is that he's no, like that's actually doable. So here's what I mean by that is that for a long time in my life, um, I've been a Christian for a while, became a follower of Jesus um, in my late teens, the very beginning of college, but grew up in a Christian family. So I just knew the things of God and the church and those kind of stuff, but kind of became a disciple of his as a college students. So that's, it's been a while now. Um, and so since then I'd always longed to have a, a deeper relationship with the Lord. Um, but what I've discovered, even after being a pastor and going to seminary and doing all that stuff is that this idea of a life of spiritual rhythm doesn't make me just hope to go deeper with God in some way. It actually provides tracks to run on that, um, allow me to actually to experience that, to go deeper. So now, instead of just hoping that I'll be able to go deeper with Jesus, understand Jesus, 
um, be able to grasp his word and what it means for my life. I now actually have tracks that run it. And I know that I can understand that. I know that I can go deeper. I know that I can trust what I'm hearing from Jesus. And so the last five years has been, I feel like God putting these tools in my tool belt to actually be able to run with him. And, and so that started to open doors to the new things that he's doing in my life. Um, that are still ministry that are still about Jesus and his kingdom and about people knowing uh, the goodness of life to the full. Um, but now I trust instead of me sort of guessing what God might want me to do, I feel like I now have the tools to understand and know this is what God wants me to do um, on a day-to-day um, spectrum as well as um, kind of long-term or career yeah. or whatever. So. Yeah. And I want to unpack that a little bit because mm-hmm. um I remember conversations with you four or five years ago. And one of the things God was impressing upon you is that, you know, you, you might want to write a book or that he was telling you like, Hey, Chris, you're a writer, you're an author. Um, and in ultimately you wrote your first book on spiritual rhythm. Um, Mm. it's called the 12 rules for Christian life. Did I get that right? That's right. That's right. Um, yeah. and, and I got to pause here for just a second and say on this podcast, we generally speaking don't have authors on and sure. we definitely don't have famous Christians on this podcast. <laughs> and that's not to say anything bad of either of those categories. That's just, it's not what that we do here. It's by the way, it's not to say we won't ever have a famous Christian on or whatever the case is, but we really want to share real stories of people in our lives who are pursuing Jesus. And so I wanted you to come on because it's a coincidence that you wrote, wrote a book. Yeah. Um, but we have been uh, engaging in life together uh, yeah. for, for a number of years now. And so I know you're really passionate about this. I know you know what you're talking about because not, sure. not just because you wrote a book on it. Lots of people write books on all kinds of different things it's because you're living it out. And I just most recently got mm. to see you at one of our experiences getaway uh, this last September. And we just had this beautiful time together as you brought your friends and we mm. we did the deep work of slowing down mm. and listening to God together. So that's a long setup for this is like, hey, if you're listening, you're like, of course they have an author who's promoting his book. Actually, no, and Chris wants to give you a copy for free. Uh, he, he doesn't right. want to sell you his book. He wants yeah, to give yeah. you a copy for free. And so we'll tell you how to do that in just a little bit. Here's what I want to ask you. You could have wrote about anything, right? You've got a blank canvas. You move from Orange County to Little Rock. You decide to f- write your first book on spiritual rhythm. Why? So here's how it went. Almost five years ago uh, now, I, I, um, I walked into this tiny bookstore in downtown Columbia, Tennessee, which my brother, uh, my younger brother lives in Columbia, Tennessee. And we were just kind of browsing around and walked into this tiny, it was a great kind of one of the last, you know, you feel like there's not many of these little mom and pop anyway, walk into this bookstore and we're browsing around and, uh, I stumbled on kind of a display of, uh, kind of new release, bestseller, new release, um, uh, books and, and sitting there on the shelf is this book, uh, 12 rules for life, um, by a guy named Jordan Peterson, um, had not read it, had just seen the cover left the bookstore, was talking to my brother, didn't buy the book, was just, but for whatever reason, like I couldn't shake that title. Mm. And um, so just in my time with the Lord, I I just felt this question of like, what would, so here's some guy who's writing the 12 rules for life in general. Yeah. Um, And the question that kept popping into mind is like, what would be 12 rules, 12 habits, 12 disciplines, 12 ways of being um, for specifically a Christian life? And that just became this question that I just mulled over and, um, and started exploring. So I started looking at the gospels and, and the new Testament and paying close attention to Jesus's life. And it's like, man, what's the stuff? Like what if, if I were to lay out 12 rules for a Christian based on the way of Jesus, what would those be? And so I was just exploring them for myself. And, and the longer I sat with that, um, and the more I read in the gospels, the more I just was impressed by it spirit of Jesus, that this is your next book. Uh, this is the next thing to write. And I want you to write it out for people. And so, mm. and what's really cool about that is that was a four year process. I mean, this book took four years to write and wow. it's paralleled sort of my journey. So it's almost like, 
not me writing a book for a whole bunch of other people, though. I think God, I would love for God to use it that way. That's why I'd love to give it away. Cause I don't care about uh, selling it so much as you guys um, getting to read it. And, and if it helps you grow great, but it, it parallels sort of my journey of discovering those 12 rules for my life. Like what is the way of, what are the, the habits and priorities and, and, um, and practices that shaped Jesus's life. Mm -hmm. And if they shape Jesus's life, they're going to transform ours and they've transformed mine. And so part of, part of this book taking so long as me just writing in process um, and trying to work out that question from seeing a random book cover in a bookstore to God saying, Hey, this is something I want you to, to shape your life. Yeah. And, and if you writing it out helps others, then great. I think this is going to really tie into spiritual rhythm, but what do you mean by the word rule? You know, so the subtitle is discovering real life and the practices and priorities of Jesus. And so this idea of rule is actually an ancient uh, Christian term for a certain uh, to a certain degree. Uh, Christians for a long, long time have been um, uh, living life by what's called a rule, a rule for life. And even not just Christians, it's not necessarily specifically Christian term term. Um, but this idea of rule, we now think of it as this black and white, like in your out, you know, we think of it as a law, something you can violate something you, um, but the way it's meant sort of in Christian history and the way uh, I mean it as a rule for life is that it's a way of living. It's, it's a, and everybody, here's, what's interesting about it. And I, and I talk about this in the introduction. So if the word rule bothers you, but you're interested in the book, read the introduction, I unpack the word rule. Mm -hmm. Um, and here's the thing. All of us live by a rule. Every single one of us lives by a set of priorities that we believe will lead to life. Now we may have thought of thought about it. Maybe people have it. Maybe we haven't spent intentional time to sit down and say, Hey, this is my rule for life. But either the culture gives it to us, our family of origin gives it to us. The church gives it to us, but we live by a rule. Um, which is just a way of ordering our priorities and our practices so that we'll get the most out of life. And Jesus had a rule. Um, he had a way that he lived um, that tuned him into his father's voice and that uh, brought him the fullest human life, the perfect human life and walking with his father. At Sequel, we use the word spiritual rhythm, mm -hmm. uh, which is very similar. Uh, it's the idea that we are all being formed, whether we want to admit it or not. We are all, we all have a rhythm of life, a way of life. Yeah. And so what this podcast is all about is unpacking the eight or nine practices that we think are important to deeply connect with God. Uh, you've got 12 of them in your book. Yeah. Um, there, there's lots of them. We just, you know, we're talking about the ones that are impacting us in real time right now. But the yeah. way I think about spiritual rhythm is just sort of those practices and patterns that connect us to God that, that um, create our way of life, our rule of life. And so um, that's what I would kind of want to uh, dive into just a little bit here. So yeah, tell me, like, what are your favorite two or three rules or practices that you kind of outline in your book, but more specifically how they're affecting your life in real time now? For me, my money's worth from the book and just from life um, is the first two first two rules. Um, so in my book, the way I articulate them, the first rule is fight for space. Um, and the second rule is listen to Jesus. Um, and to me, that's where life is found. Um, one of the things I love about John's gospel is he, um, you could say that John uh, maybe um, could nickname the Jesus he writes about um, as the listening Lord, right? So like Jesus is consistently throughout all the gospels, but particularly in John, he's consistently um, going away to be with the father. And in, and in John, he specifically says, I don't say anything or do anything unless the father tells me to do it. So for me, um, those two rules, this first one fight for space, which very simply is just, are we actually creating times, space, um, opportunities to be with God? Uh, to be with him. Um, the truth is like, we can't, and that's the first step for me because we can't relate to anyone, uh, much less God, unless we're actually prioritizing space and time together. Same thing goes with our marriages, our kids, any of our friendships, all of our relationships. Um, time is this commodity that we have to, that we, 
when we fight for it with someone, then the thing, then the relationship can be built. So the first thing is fight for space, mm-hmm. um, which is just getting in the practice of creating silent, quiet, not necessarily always silent, but space uh, to be with Jesus. And the second rule is listen to Jesus and learning how he speaks and how we hear him and what the competing voices are um, and being able to narrow down in that space um, what it is that Jesus is saying through his word and saying by his spirit um, so that we can obey him. And to me, and you actually see this in the book when I get, you know, there's 12 rules, but I actually tell people that don't, don't even try to practice all 12 of them. Start with fighting for space and then listen to Jesus. And then he'll tell you the next rule he wants you to adopt the next area of your life. He wants you to obey. And so those are the first two for me and they play themselves out in my life. We can talk about that some more. Yeah. At Sequel, our mission is to help people to be still and listen to Jesus. Mm. And the output of that we think is that we will learn to seek him well. And we're staking our and everything on those two phrases, which, you know, another way to say that is fight for space and listen to God. We think it's important because if you want to have an intimate connection with God, I don't know how you do that unless you slow down and learn to listen to Jesus because that listening is the second part of communication, not just talking, but actually listening to what he's saying. And out of that, he will tell you exactly what he wants you to do and Mm -hmm. say and think and believe and and so on and so forth. I want to read a a quote back to you that might tie some of this together. It's from your website. Mm -hmm. Do you ever wonder if there is more to life than finding the perfect career, making the most money, wooing the sexiest mate, or chasing fickle followers. What do you mean by that? Let me start by saying this. Um, Well, let me answer your question. What I'm trying to evoke by that is this question is, is there more? Um, Is there more to life than just the stuff we do or are told to do? The things we're taught culturally um, that are the most valuable things, uh, the things everybody's running after. Um, If those are the things that give us life, great. Um, But are we asking the question, is there more? And so the end of that statement, I I think if I remember it correctly, is that there is more, there's actually much more. And so what I mean by that, let me, let me say this careers are good. I've had a few (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. money's good. I'm super thankful to God that I have enough. Uh, sexy mates are good. I have a wife and I think she's sexy. Um, even followers are a good thing if you're leading them somewhere, uh, worthwhile and good. Uh, but what I mean by, is there more? And, and, and I believe answering the book, there is more is that, um, there's something that's deeper, uh, there's something that's better. There's something that's more, more meaningful, uh, longer lasting and more joy inducing than anything on that list than any career, any amount of money, any amount of um, pleasure or attraction, um, uh, uh, any amount of followers. And that thing, as you and I talk about a sequel is aimed towards, is actually a person, and that's Jesus of Nazareth, the resurrected God. And so Jesus said a lot of things, uh, Tim, and a lot of things that intrigue me and that confound me, that motivate me, um, that move me, and two in particular, Um, one is what he says in John 10, 10, that the whole reason he came was to give us a rich and satisfying life, a real uh, life. And then later in John 14, he's helping his disciples actually understand where that real life is found. And and he says this, he says, I am the way, the truth and the life. And now if you've been around church, you've heard that a ton, but here's what intrigues me about that is that Jesus didn't say, I know the way he didn't say, I know the truth. Uh, He didn't say, I know how to have life. Um, If he said, I know those things, then he's just a good teacher. But he does something weird. He says, I am the truth. I am the life. Um, I am uh, the way. And to me, that's what I'm getting at. Um, It was compelled by as as I started thinking about what are these 12 ways and practices that are that are. Yeah. Jesus is designed for us as Christians is that there's deeper stuff than, than what I'm typically led to pursue on my own. Yeah. And that's him. And so you just call out John 10 and 14 and then in John 15, it says, Oh, and by the way, the way to know me, the way to find life to the full is you need to abide in Mm -hmm. John 15. You need to fight for space and listen to Jesus. I'm the vine, you're the branches. You can't do anything apart from me. Mm -hmm. And then he kind of, at least for me, sums it up 
in John 17, 3, and he says, and this is real yes. and eternal life, that you would know me and the Father. Yeah. And that word know implies intimate connection. And and that's the reason I we're talking about spiritual rhythm is if Jesus has laid out what life to the full is, it is a deep, intimate, rich connection with the Father through him, and that in him, everything we could ever want, all the love, joy, peace, hope, satisfaction, a rich and full and satisfying life is found in him. That's right. And you'll have a the career that is fulfilling and, you know, all of your needs met and, and all those different things that you said are good. Mm-hmm. We can't find that apart from Jesus. That's and right. um, and that's why spiritual rhythm is so important. And I, I think in the Christian faith today, we think that if I believe the right things that I'm good, but therein lies the disconnect. That's not what Jesus said. And it all comes around how, how you understand this word. No, today we kind of separate belief and action. We think you can believe something because you intellectually grasp the idea, but the, the way the people who are writing the old Testament and writing the new Testament and living in, in the first century um, and, in and, and, um, and our Jewish uh, forefathers, the way they understand belief was that you can't know something and believe it if you don't do something about it. So this idea of trust was connected. And so we've kind of done the same thing with the word no. Like we think, oh, I know something means I have these set of facts in my head. I've Googled it and I've learned the fact. Um, but what Jesus is talking about here is a, is a knowing that's relational. That means I've experienced something I've lived. Um, and so I think you're right. I think we've we often disconnect. And so what, what that means is, and this is part of why I'm such a huge fan of, of Sequel and what you guys are doing, because you're teaching people, you're training people how to practice the practices and the rhythms that allow them to know God, not just know what the Bible says about God, but to know the being mm-hmm. who is the almighty God. And Many of the churches, in fact, churches I've led and I've, the ways I've even pastored in the past have been, man, let's learn more stuff about this fascinating God. But I haven't taught people um, and trained people to actually know ex- in an experiential relational way this God of ours. Well, and I think what we're seeing now more in our world is a, is a gigantic disconnect. Because I remember growing up and we went to church every Sunday and Wednesday and we knew a lot about God. And we experience God in the Sunday service. But then if I'm being really honest, you know, on the days I wasn't in church, my life didn't really look a lot different than, um, than everybody else. Yeah. And this is where the, the, the thinking rightly about these rhythms matters, Tim, all of that you said is so important uh, because I can, I can picture a listener, particularly maybe somebody who's just started to tune in, or maybe they've come to one of your experiences and and, well, they've come to one of your experiences. They've started to grasp um, because you guys do so well at this. But what we can do with the rhythms is we can make them a list of things that we have to do to be Christian or another set of things that, well, my church didn't really talk about the rhythms, but now these guys are talking about the rhythms and, and, and these disciplines and they can become a set. And if that's the case, then we're also missing the point there. What the, what the rhythms do, what the disciplines do is they actually open the door to the knowing piece, to knowing God. So like, if you just fight for space to fight for space or just read your Bible to read your Bible, like you can do that without knowing God. If you think of it as, oh, this is the thing that makes God happy, you're going to miss it. That's uh, going to upset a thing, lot of people, Chris. Because, yeah, I know, I know. But it's true. But here's what I'm telling you. Uh, the thing that makes God happy is you. Mm-hmm. You as a being, as a person. And he sent his son, Jesus to die for you, not to die. Why would God send his son to die so that you would do a list of things that may or may not reshape your life or that are just sort of a list? Like God's not interested in you just ticking off this list of Christian things. God is interested in your heart. God is interested in your soul and in your mind. And he's after it because he loves you. Um, And that's way different than man. Okay. I read my Bible today. Um, you know what that makes me think of is, is one of our very first experiences at Sequel, a guy named uh, Tom, I won't say his last name, but he, he came in, uh, he was really like, he, he 
was really struggling. And he said, you know, I don't know if I've ever heard the voice of God. And he, um, so you having just come to an experience, you know, we have three or four different listening sessions over the course of 48 hours. And uh, so he's, think about like he's in, you know, deep into day two. And he's like, I just, I'm so frustrated. I haven't heard the voice of God. And um, so I started just asking him questions. And I said, well, tell me about like your spiritual rhythm. Tell me about how you connect with God. And he's like, man, I read my Bible for like two or three hours a day. Mm. And <laughs> I still remember the look on his face. I said, well, maybe you need to start reading your Bible less. Mm. And he looked at me like I'm definitely in the presence of a, a heretic, <laughs> you know? So I said, I'm going to challenge you this for the entire rest of the time you're here at this experience. I, I don't want you to read your Bible. I just want you to spend time with God for the sake of spending time with him mm-hmm. and let that be enough. And you know, what's funny is it wasn't too long later that he actually heard the voice, heard the voice of God for the first time in his whole life. Mm-hmm. And what he discovered was God had been speaking to him for years, he just didn't know what his voice sounded like because he was so consumed with checking the box of knowing more about God that he he hadn't connected the dots that this is about an intimate connection. And that means he speaks and you listen and then you speak and he listens and, and you get the idea. He was just so consumed in the practice of reading scripture, which is a good thing. And I ultimately told him later, I'm like, hey, by the way, you should read the pages sure. of scripture. Like you should just just like you have been, but don't miss God in them. The third rule in my book is read the Bible dot, dot, dot slowly. slowly. Because we've often been trained to read as much as possible or to read it the way we read other nonfiction is you read it in a way like once you gather the facts you need to gather, then you can put the book down and stop reading it. Yeah. Um, and we've been trained that way in schooling. And that's really effective for our careers and for passing a test and whatever. Um, but the reading of scripture is a different thing because you're engaging with the, the spirit of the living God yeah. through this written word. And when you read it differently and actually pull back and read less, I love that story you told. Um, you can actually leave some breathing room to, to experience God's voice. Yeah. So Chris, you're no longer in pastoral ministry, but you are still a dad, a husband, an author, an entrepreneur. You guys own a business. And in other words, your life looks a lot like the life of our audience. And so I want to ask you in the midst of all the, you know, craziness of doing life, what does your spiritual rhythm look like um, kind of daily? Like what are some of the things that you do daily to connect with God? Yeah. So um, daily for me, because of that um, dad, husband, author, entrepreneur, uh, business owner, like the days can get absolutely crammed. So the most important uh, parts of my spiritual rhythm are nighttime and morning time. And what I mean by that is I have a nine 30 to five 30 life, which means I go to bed at nine 30 and I wake up at five 30. Um, and some folks uh, who are listening, they're already like, what, you know, like I got to stay up late. I got to do whatever. But for me, I found that like, if I don't sleep, if I don't get my rest, um, I'm no good. So one of the kind of rhythm shifts for me is sort of this, uh, the way, um, the way that our, uh, Jews look at the, the daily calendar. And they think of night, like the day kind of starts with the evening and goes into the next day. So, so sleeping is instead of that being recovery from the day, it's actually preparation for the next day. Mm. Um, and so for me, I have to prepare for the next day. If I'm going to be spiritually healthy for, for my family and for myself, I've got to prepare by going to bed. So I have a pretty strict bedtime. And then I'm up before my kids are, um, because once they're up, it's hard for me to settle. It's hard for me to find quiet. Um, and so I'm up at five 30 to be with Jesus. And, um, so that's kind of a daily thing. And then there are places within the day that uh, help me connect with Jesus too, but that's the biggest block of time. So push pause on that for just a sec. Um, yeah. I think one of the things that I see over and over is people say, I don't have time to spend with God because of, and they lay out the the list of why that is. But I think the truth is we make time for what's important to us. That's right. And so clearly you've shifted your schedule around um, spending time with Jesus, fighting for space, learning to listen for his voice. I'm sure you do all the other practices, 
you know, throughout the week or, or month or whatever. But when did you make the shift? Because I, I'm guessing you didn't always go to bed at 9.30 and get up at 5.30. Mm-hmm. If you've been in and around the church for a little while, there's this sort of like morning time with Jesus is this like holy grail thing. I don't think your time with Jesus has to be in the morning. But for me, to your question, I realized like I needed rhythm that was daily because I tried all different types of ways and times to connect with with God. And really, as I began having kids, um, I realized like the quietest, most peaceful, most uh, time, easiest time for me to get settled is before they're awake. So I became an early morning guy. which means I had to get to bed earlier. So to me, it was really practical of like, man, I I want, as my desire for Jesus grew, my priorities began to shift to say, how can I be with you, Jesus? Um, And how can I be with you on my own time and alone? And we do, we do Jesus stuff together as a family. We practice Sabbath and we uh, worship together with the local congregation. And, um, and we talk with our kids and we read with our kids and we do all that kind of stuff. But for me to be with my King, um, with King Jesus, I needed to have that time. And, and you're right to touch on one point you said earlier, we live in sort of a time of constant addition. We want to just keep adding stuff to our lives, but we're fools. If we think we can continue to add things to our lives, even the best of things and never take anything away. It's not true. So there are things that we're going to need to take away if we're going to dedicate time to Jesus or to our families or to the things that matter. I agree with what you said is it doesn't have to be in the morning. Wholeheartedly agree with that. And I think there's actually something beautiful to the idea that it doesn't have to be in the morning because really we want to connect with God uh, all throughout the day. And so if we limit it to just the morning, then really that can become like a just a, a checklist kind of a thing. Okay. With that being said, I don't know one person in my life who really you would look to and say they're deeply connected with God who doesn't spend time with God in the morning. One of the disciplines I think that I had to, to shift from that was been really helpful is that the first thing I look at in the day is at my phone. So the thing about the morning um, is that there's just so much fresh about it and so much new about it. So to, to wake up and, and, and start the day, it sets the day um, in its right order and its right place mm-hmm. for me. And, and a lot of the people that I've talked to that the morning has become their time. That's part of it. If God is who he says he is and he loves you the way he says he does, why wouldn't we start the day with him? Yeah. And like Josh says, it's a first things first. First things first. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I love right. how he says that it really, it informs the rest of your day. I want to ask you like, what are some of the most unusual things that maybe you do in your morning time? You, you mentioned you don't look at your phone as one of them. Just walk us through some of those things just to kind of help us think outside the box when it comes to rule of life, spiritual rhythm. Yeah. Um, I have two kind of answers to that. Uh, part of the truth is that none of my spiritual practices are out of the box or all that unique. And here's why I say that that way. And I hope this is encouraging to your folks is that the beauty of the way I practice spiritual practices now is I ripped them off from, I ripped every single one of them off from somebody else who was faithful, <laughs> like every single one of them. And I'll give you some examples. So um, the, the first primary example I have of someone faithfully being with Jesus in the morning was my mom. And she did it for years before it became a practice of mine. And I saw what that looked like. Um, what we do as a family for Sabbath, I ripped straight from John Mark Comer's The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. What that dude said he does on Sabbath, I'm like, let's see if it works for our family. We did and the it same does. thing. Yep. Ripped it straight off, right? Um, my monthly rhythm of first Fridays of spending the first Friday uh, dedicated and focused time with Jesus. Um, I got from a guy named Tim Bulky, who, you know, at that retreat where you and I met. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, he said, hey, I want to encourage you guys to spend eight hours a month just with Jesus. And my first thought was that's impossible. You moron. Um, that's literally what I thought. Um, now it's a life-giving practice for me, but I ripped that from him. Then on the kind of maybe unique side is a practice that has been really cool to, to pass on to my kids. It's maybe a little different, but I also ripped this off from a friend of mine um, years ago is a phrase that she used to say, everything gives rise to prayer. So one of the things our family does in the car or on a walk or wherever is if we hear an ambulance siren, we pray. I love that. Um, because, because everything gives rise to prayer. And so what started with an ambulance sound and us praying for whoever was hurt or whatever was on fire and then yeah. for 
the people who are serving those needs, we prayed for them. But what that's turned into is with ourselves and our kids, we now, if there's anything, you know, if we see someone who is obviously homeless walking on the side of the road, we pray. Whatever it is, we feel able to and equipped to just talk with God any anytime, anywhere. And the beauty of those practices is they're just continual reminders that like Jesus isn't only available in the morning and not only available on Sunday morning. Like we're walking and talking uh, with the God of the universe all the time. And he wants to walk with us and talk to us. We be able to listen to him and talk with him. It's something we can do anytime, anywhere with anyone. I think there are more than a few people listening who may have a combination of like, I'm discouraged because I'm not living my quote unquote best life. Or, you know, as I hear you guys talk about this, I'm starting to realize like I'm not like deeply connected to God. Or (laughs) a first Fridays, yeah, good luck, buddy. Like that's something trained professionals do. You know, whatever the case is. Um, Mm -hmm. So as Josh says, your spiritual rhythm is perfectly designed to get the results you were getting. And I think that is so true. And I know that's a play on, you know, your system is designed to get you the results you're getting. I I get that, but it is so true. I mean, if we think about our lives and we sit back and we say, what is the fruit of my life? Is it life to the full that Jesus talks about? Is it love, joy, peace, so on and so forth? And if it's not, we have to go back and look at our rhythm and say, well, what do we need to adjust to make sure that we're spending time with the creator of the universe who has a plan and purpose for our life, who loves us, who just wants to be with us. Um, So I think of like the word reset, how do we hit reset and what are some of the things that we should maybe think about? So if you were sitting across the table from somebody and they were describing like this angst, this disconnect between them and God, and they're saying, I just feel like I need a reset. What are the like one or two things that you would tell them, like, hey, try this, do this, start here? Yeah, a couple of things I would maybe say. Um, The first thing I would say as far as like someone who's struggling to maybe actually practice a practice or set a rhythm is I would say start with one hour a week. One hour. Don't try to do it every day, but start with one hour a week. And here's how you start with one hour a week. Look at your calendar. You look at the calendar with which you share calendars. Maybe that's a spouse or your assistant or whoever. And you actually put it on your calendar, like calendar. It doesn't sound inspirational. It doesn't sound holy, but you put it in your calendar and you talk to those people who want the best for you and say, hey, this is a block in my calendar that I want to go uninterrupted. And you set an hour a week. Now, here's the thing. What you said about First Fridays is right. Um, That sounds crazy if you're not doing it now. It sounds impossible. And five years ago when I wasn't doing it, it was, it sounded very impossible. Um, So keep in mind that the people who are ahead of you quote in their rhythm have also committed to doing it for years now. So this will develop and you start somewhere. So I say, start with an hour a week. And if you're not used to an hour, commit to an hour and about 10 minutes in, you're going to want to bail and you're going to think it's crazy. But if you can commit to that hour, and maybe you're reading scripture or you're journaling. Maybe you're just going for a walk for an hour and imagining that Jesus is walking next to you and you just have a conversation, whatever that might look like, set that hour. So that's the first thing I would say as far as kind of practically is, man, block off an hour, ask your people around you for help with that and uh, set it and commit to it once a week and just see where that goes. And then the second thing that I would say is for some people, it's not necessarily the practical time uh, or developing rhythm, but there's some emotional stuff that's going on. Like they've just struggled to do this, or they're in a place of pain or trauma or, um, or just difficult seasons of life. And my encouragement for someone in that space is to focus on Jesus, which sounds so churchy. And so, but Mm -hmm. here's what I mean by that is that the only hope for every human being in any conceivable situation, including yours, if you're listening, the only hope for any of us is the love and acceptance and forgiveness and the presence of God in Jesus. And he's experienced everything you've experienced. um, And he knows, he knows. And so combine whatever little bit of rhythm that you have and make your primary focus Jesus and allow him to minister to you. One of the ways to do that if you don't even know how to 
start that is talk to somebody who understands, find a real person. So Tim and I are real people, but we're also on this podcast. So you might be able to find a friend or a pastor or a cousin or somebody who um, is trying to walk with Jesus as well. And just share with them how hard it is for you now and, and allow them to sit with you in it and talk with them in it. Um, there are also really faithful books out there that cover every spectrum of every kind of trauma from a Christian perspective. I remember my dad sent me a book by John Arbor called faith and doubt. He just, just wanted to read something together and he didn't know that that was a season of my life when I was struggling with doubt. Um, and just reading somebody else's thoughts was so encouraging. So I hope that's helpful, but those are some of the things, um, to, to lean into if you're yeah. struggling with the rhythm. I love that. Start with an hour a week. Um, put it on your calendar, mm -hmm. fight for space. And in that pick a practice, a way of being a rule, mm -hmm. whether it's praying, listening to God, taking a walk with him, asking him a great question, expressing gratitude. And, and the list goes on and on of the practices that you could engage in, but just be with God for an hour, but put it on your calendar um, and, and get some wise counsel. If you are in that, difficult season yep. that I've been in, Chris, you've been in. And I'm sure we'll come again because nobody gets out of this life unscathed. Yep. Find wise people who yep. are following Jesus. You know they're following Jesus because you see it in the fruit of their life. Sit down, have a conversation. Yeah. And Tim, one more thing I would say is there's this phrase called eat, like, eat the frog. I don't know even know where it comes from. Um, but it's this idea of like, do the hard thing, do the gross thing. I want to de-romanticize this for people. It's not like every morning at 5.30, I want to get out of bed. Most mornings at 5.30, I don't want to get out of bed. It's not like every Friday when I spend extended time of silence, like God is just, I can see him and there are angels around. And it's like this, the hallelujah chorus plays while I eat lunch. Like sometimes I have to eat the frog. Sometimes I'd be like, look, God has said this is good for me and I'm going to trust him enough to push through it. And so I read, I try to get silent. I try again to be quiet and I keep pushing through it. And what's cool about it is it's cumulative. So when you have one week or one hour for one week for one week, that's something. But when you have one hour a week for 52 weeks, you begin to settle more easily. Um, it seems like Jesus shows up quicker. It's remarkable how he's faithful to your pushing through. But I don't want you to think that Tim or I just have this like easy ride with like, but the rhythms do build and it does become easier as you practice them because we're people of habit and it's the way the rhythm works. Free and Light is a podcast of Sequel Ministries. We believe that life to the full comes out of an intimate connection with Jesus. If you'd like to support the podcast, visit us at sequel.org slash donate.